David, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. I'm good. And you? I'm doing real well. Thanks for joining me today. I am really interested and thrilled to be talking with you about this particular topic. It's inclusion, uncovering inequities. Obviously, it's a priority for most every organization. If it's not, it should be, uh, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, but actually making that happen at scale in a sustainable way is something that you've been focused on for years. So for those who might not know you, you want to do a quick introduction of yourself and what you think about this topic and why it's important? Yeah, for sure. So hi, everyone. I'm, I'm, I'm David Herrera. I'm the head of people and organization analytics for Conferry. And as Alex mentioning, I'm uh, also a DNI subject matter expert. So a lot of my passion, a lot of my time, I'm spending with clients around how we can uncover inequities through, through data through people analytics, through organization analytics. Uh, but it's really, the, the purpose is really, how can we build more inclusive talent systems? So uh, the analysis that we do, all the analytics we do, it's really to uncover biases, but the challenge is how do we address those biases? How do we address those inequities? So everyone has an equitable experience from a talent perspective in organization. And let's just start from the beginning, because I know you have some slides and some ways of thinking about this. Uh, but before we do that, you, you have you offered up a term of inclusive talent systems. And you, can you speak to what that means? Because when I, you know, when you say systems, are you talking about technologies? Are you talking about processes? Are you talking about all of the above? And what does that mean to you? Yeah. So we're really talking about the whole talent management cycle or the whole talent cycle. It's all the way from uh, how we hire people, how we bring people to our or our organization, uh, what's the experience they have, how we develop them, how we develop talent, uh, and at the same time, how do we lose talent uh, in a good or bad way, either by retirement or we're they they're deciding to to go to, uh, for another talent, another organization, or it's a regrettable loss, right? So it's the whole the whole ecosystem that we really need to to measure and understand how equitable it is and uh and and i'm i'm passionate about it and and conferry is really what we do right we do the whole talent system well you know with that may i bring up this first slide because i was really interested in it when you uh brought it to my attention so i'm not going to speak over it you go yeah no for sure so this is one of my favorite slides when we talk about inclusive talent uh, what we have been finding in our research and conversations with clients is that a lot of the talent systems and a lot of the products and services that, that these companies also offer are being built with the lens of the default user, right? And what do we mean about the default user? That 60 or 80% of our uh, either employees or our clients. Uh, but we have overlooked users. Uh, and again, from a service perspective, from a product perspective, but also from a talent system perspective. So the challenge here is really uh, identify who's the overlooked user, who's the overlooked talent, why they're not being part of our inclusive systems, why they're having different experiences, and uh, then start to develop systems or talent, uh, talent systems that will also include the overlooked users. And actually, our approach is if we design talent systems that work for the overlooked users, uh, there's a high probability that the default user will benefit from it as well. 
So instead of understanding who's our reference persona, it's who are we leaving behind? That's really the question. So speak more about this, please, because you know, those overlooked users, are they uh, people of color, protected classes? Are they predominantly female? Or is it based on you know, their behavior of not elevating their work in some way? Um, as, or, or all the above? I mean, what does that look like in terms of an overlooked user? Yeah, definitely it's all of the above. Uh, we're seeing that talent systems work in very, in very different ways uh, for different organizations and actually different regions, right? When we talk about diversity, the dimensions of diversity, those overlooked users definitely vary by region or by country. Uh, but before going into the talent systems, maybe I'll give you a quick example of something that um, kind of like pays uh, a lot as as member of the LGBTQ plus community. So this is outside the talent systems, and just to give the example of the default user. Imagine that you are working in a in a hotel, and you're wanting to design an experience for uh, a romantic uh, experience for couples. Typically, what happens is that you're going to design it for an heterosexual couple, right? Uh, and you might be leaving some people behind. You might be leaving. Uh, gay people behind, members from overall, members from the LGBTQ plus community, probably people with disabilities, you know, their uh, romantic experience might be very different. Uh, so I always use that, this example because whenever I go into that romantic, you know, uh, weekend, I go to a hotel with my husband and sometimes they give us uh, a room with two beds, right? Uh, and it's just the mindset of employees and the whole experience has not been built beyond the typical heterosexual couple. So the same we're thinking about talent system, right? When we think about the holidays in the organizations, who's actually reflecting, uh, you know, the religion or the beliefs of someone, and who are we leaving behind? Uh, when we talk about benefits, you know, uh, are we really designing benefits for the typical heterosexual couple, for the typical, you know, men that it's kind of like making or earning the most money for for that household? Are we leaving women behind? What about people of color? So that's really the approach. It's uh, looking at all the different diversity dimensions, who's in and who's out. Yeah, that's fascinating. And it's a great example. I, I'm not going to forget that. I'm going to check into a hotel on Friday evening and I'm going to like, <laughs> I'm going to, hey, are, would they be aware? Uh, let me ask this. So, you know, there is the idea that you know, we have limited resources within HR, you know, leadership, you know, wants to do the right thing. I'm going to go on with that assumption uh, for a second and help everyone feel included and create an environment where they feel safe and bring their best selves to work and all that. Uh, customizing for each and every individual systematically, you know, might be difficult. That being said, you know, systems, you know, and again, I'm just going to go into my kind of legacy thinking. If you want to uproot it, please do so. You know, at scale, maybe you can plan for 80% of what is going to be appropriate. And then that last mile, that last 20% might be up to the individual at the front desk. You know, it might be their own judgment to apply, you know, an inclusive experience and maybe ask that question. Maybe there was some training that was involved, but the systems and processes, the organization, Correct me if I'm wrong. They might, you know, that might stop at some point. Uh, 
you know, there are only so much that can be done from an organizational perspective. Uh, however, you know, there is a responsibility to do that, you know, with our, our talent systems and provide, you know, that training. So when we talk about the systematic approach and to use your example of that uh, clerk who's checking you in, you know, organizationally, how does that happen? You know, what has to happen, technology, process, and people? Yeah. So I, I love the question. And uh, we always say that diversity, equity, inclusion is not really just an initiative. It's a whole transformation, right? And it, it actually challenges the way your, your processes are designed, but it's also about challenging the mindsets of your leaders and employees. Mm -hmm. And in order to truly become a full, uh, diverse, equitable uh, organization, uh, we need to work with both. We need structural uh, inclusion and we need behavioral inclusion. So structural inclusion is about uh, redesigning the experience, right? And making sure that there are specific policies in place, specific rules and, and, and ways of doing things from, from an organization perspective. But at the same time, we need to challenge and change the mindset of our leaders and employees. Because we always going to need that 20% that you just mentioned, right? That moment where uh, a, a customer uh, with that, that it's not part of the reference group will reach out to that hotel or an employee that it's not part of our reference employee will require additional benefits or accessibility, right? So making sure that we have the right processes but also the right skills and mindsets for those that are making the day-to-day -day decisions are critical uh, to really become a true diverse, um, equitable and inclusive organization. We need both. Yeah. So with that, and I'm going to bring up uh, your your slide again because I'm really interested this concept of being overlooked because I have long shared that we as human beings want to be you know after the basics we want to be seen we want to be heard and we want to be empowered you know we don't want to be invisible we don't want to be ignored and oftentimes we don't want to be told what to do we want to apply our own creativity so this idea that you're seeking to see people for who they truly are is is beautiful and it also invites the question for me if we have this construct and someone does feel overlooked how then do they become seen you know what avenues are available other than an open door policy uh, to, hey, you know, there's an issue for me and I want the organization or someone, you know, to address it. You know, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. So one of the key components that we always integrate in our DNI strategies is what we will call uh, driving change, which includes feedback loops. It includes those conversations um, about how how really are, are we really making change? Are we really impacting those over? Uh, are they feeling that uh, the organization is actually becoming a, a more inclusive space? Uh, and, and what about the culture? So creating feedback loops, communication channels are critical to make sure that we hear more and more employees. But at the same time, we always talk about a speak of culture, but we also need to have a listening culture, right? Sometimes we ask a lot of employees to raise their voices, but our leaders are not really uh, open to hear feedback or open to, to for the discussion. So again, when we think of from, from that structural and, 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 and behavioral perspective, the structural component is going to be you know, those communication channels, but at the same time, we need to create that culture of listening from, uh, from our uh, leaders and, and managers. You know, what I'm hearing is that you're advocating 
a very systematic approach, one that involves technology, data, people, processes, you know, all, all the things that we've touched on. Uh, that said, you know, DI has often been an influencer role. You know, they haven't had resources. And meanwhile, there's organizational development groups, there are engagement groups, there's groups that are focused on of certainly operations and productivity and all these things. So my question is for an inclusive culture to be created and nurtured over time, what's the operating model or governance structure look like to you? You know, what would you advocate? What do you see? So we see a lot of different models, and I would say there's not a perfect recipe. We actually need to understand uh, what's the business operating model, what's working right now, what has worked in the past, to then develop a framework that is really going to work for each organization. So typically, the question that we ask, and uh, uh, and you know, you, you can ask yourself, uh, you know, within your organization, it's what has been that transformation that has actually happened in the last five years and what were the success factors of it, right? So when we're thinking about implementing a new uh, technology platform, what was the difference, right? Uh, and we hear a lot of different stories from clients. Sometimes it's, well, you know, there was a very strong message about the CEO saying, this is an imperative and this is going to be in my agenda every day. Some other organizations rely a lot more on change management. Uh, some other organizations rely more on the way they're structured right, and more from a process perspective. Um, and we ask that question because if it's a proven model, we want the same for DNI because it's been proved to work in their organization, right? So if, it's, if, if a transformation was a, a success because it was a top priority for the CEO, then we want DNI to be a top priority for the CEO. We want that CEO to have the conversation about DNI in every single meeting, right? Asking about KPIs, asking about how we're moving the needle, uh, asking about you know the feedback of employees, how they're feeling, how they're comparing to others. Uh, so again, I, uh, there's not a perfect model, but it's more based on the reality of each organization. Yeah, well, thank thank you for sharing that because I just see, I see diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging getting more traction. There's more resources. It's an elevated. Uh, construct insofar as there's language and training and other activities that are focused on ensuring that people do feel safe, that they do feel included. Fantastic. Um, how to analyze that over time uh, with data obviously is a challenge. Do you want to speak to some of the metrics that you consider? And I'm particularly interested, because this is a pervasive topic that comes up, you know, what new data are you generating to shed insight into whether or not people feel safe and included? Yeah. So when we think about uh, analytics, people analytics and organizational analytics with the, with the lens of DNI, we typically look at three levels of uh, analysis: what we call lagging indicators, leaking indicators, and then business indicators. So the lagging indicators are those KPIs that we typically see in our organizations. What's my representation today? Right. Uh, some organizations that are a little bit more advanced uh, tend to analyze hiring rates, promotion rates, and exit rates to understand how those flows are impacting their current representation. But when it comes to leading indicators, those organizations really want to understand what's going to happen in the future 
is where we are integrating uh, a more uh, advanced analytics approach to that. So the way we do it is in two ways. The first one is uh, we do what we call deep dives. So understanding the, how the talent acquisition process actually works. What's the funnel, right? Uh, what's the composition of people that are applying to a job? Uh, how that composition is changing at the first interview, the second interview, and who actually get hired. Um, same for performance, right? Uh, what's the performance rating overall? What are the deviations for overlooked employees uh, or underrepresented employees? Uh, and based on that performance, what's the expected uh, representation in the future? Uh, and then we do uh, more predictive modeling, right? We do uh, we use machine learning to understand what are the key drivers of success in the organization. Who's more likely to advance in the organization? Who's more likely to stay in the organization? And we use information all the way from employee surveys to competencies, who's reporting to who, the composition of the team, composition of the function, region, and so on. We can use as much information as we want. And then we're able to identify those factors, right? We, we're working with organizations that we know that uh, performance is a key driver, but the second key driver is the team's performance. So it's not only about I'm successful, it's also how much I am making others successful, right? And then we see uh, from the DNI lens who's actually having those performance rating and what's the performance of their team. So that's how we're seeing data and analysis. Now, as you just mentioned, collecting that data is becoming a challenge, or it's, uh, it's a challenge. But our approach to that is it has always been a challenge. Collecting <laughs> data has always been a challenge. We're seeing organizations getting a lot more mature in the data they're collecting. Definitely there are regulations that uh, are in place for certain countries with a lens of uh, not having discrimination, but, and, and it's a challenge on our perspective because we need that data to understand what's really happening in organizations. Um, but uh, at the same time, organizations are getting a little bit more courageous about asking uh, um, in a, a voluntary basis, uh, but also employees are getting more courageous to you know, share how diverse they are. Uh, with the purpose of building more inclusive talent systems. Yeah, well, we're, you know, I'm going to jump in here because I am interested when we talk about uncovering inequities. Yeah, we've there's a lot of ways to look at it, in my view, and the data needs to be present to shed light on what is happening. And to your point, what likely will happen moving forward? Because a lot of DI metrics haven't moved much, despite increased investment and it begs the question you know as to why so this is my you know pointed question when we talk about uncovering inequities are you looking at inequities of experience and how people feel as well as things that are more tangible like comp is it all of the above yeah we look at performance ratings we look at the employee experience we look at compensation uh, we can send uh, additional surveys to understand uh, additional DNI factors. Uh, the network is actually one of the biggest drivers of success that we see a lot in organizations. So uh, who's part of the ERG? Who's part of a mentorship program? Who's, uh, how big is your network? Is what actually makes you successful in an organization. So uh, being able to identify all those factors and put them in the model are, are, are critical. 
you're getting me all excited. I'm like, because there's a lot of data that you're talking about right now. So the management of that data is is difficult. Are you seeing, and would you advocate uh, DEI analytics or inclusion analytics be a discrete role within a larger people analytics team, or does it just get caught up, uh, you know, in the mix? You know, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. what I'll say is, ideally, we would like to have a specific DNI analytics team. Now, uh, we know there's not a lot of talent available in the market overall on people analytics and overall in DNI. So, just a combination of two, it's really making it hard to find those people. But we definitely need the expertise uh, around DNI. There's a lot of analysis that happen every day in organizations that when we review them, the interpretation is very different if you have DNI lens and DNI expertise rather than if you're just doing analysis, right? So I don't know. Sometimes we uh, uncover that employees that report to white managers might be more likelihood to advance. So a terrible interpretation will be white managers are more successful in advancing talent, while probably the reality is underrepresented uh, managers struggle a lot more in providing opportunities to their direct reports, right? They might not have the same network as others. They might not be invited to the same meetings or to the same conversations as uh, their peers. So having the right lens, having the DNI expertise is critical to to look at the data and uh, truly build inclusive talent system, right? And I think that's a lot of the theory behind the overlooked template we tend to design for the majority and that the designer is typically part of uh, the default user, right? Or the reference persona. So we need to break that for sure. Well, you're highlighting a point here that I am, it, I see organizations struggle with is that, okay, I have an analytics team and I want them to focus on retention, engagement, um, inclusion, you know, all these different constructs, which are, are, are great. Uh, however, there's a, shall I say, yeah, a discrete look at each of these buckets and where in fact, they're just one experience. And can we form different narratives? I imagine those who are listening today um, and are going to listen afterwards are interested in DI and in inclusion. But this affects productivity. It affects innovation. It affects business continuity. It affects so many things that are bigger than this. So I'm just thinking out loud that, yeah, arguably this should be the pervasive overriding lens that should, in which everything should be viewed. So I'll just put that out there. Um, you have one more slide I understand that you, you want to share. I don't want to um, segue awkwardly, but I want to I m- want to make sure that you you put it up with uh, yeah, our timeline. For sure. So I think this this next slide is just a continuation of our conversation, right? And uh, the question that we always want to ask when we do uh, people analytics or we're designing talent systems, we always need to ask who's in and who's out, right? Uh, and we need to ask this, and this is just an example of diversity dimensions that we should ask ourselves, but we can add to these dimensions as many as we want, right? So when we're building a parental leave program, are we considering the LGBTQ plus community? Are we considering adoptive parents, right? Uh, when we're designing holidays or flex days, 
is that uh, considering all different faiths and religions. Uh, what about the economic status, right? Uh, how's that impacting advancement? How's that impacting going back to the office? What's the caregiver status, right? Uh, it's not the same to design a time system for uh, for those who are taking care of either you know their 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 uh, direct family or their parents, right? Uh, what about gender, age? So this is this slide is really to provoke that conversation, right? Are you really asking who's in and who's out on all the different talent systems that you're building? And then the next question is, how are you measuring, right? Because one thing is, I think I'm designing it for everyone. Uh, how am I measuring it? And who's part of the conversation? Am I designing a benefits program with my experience, or do I need to bring more uh, to the table, more people with diverse perspectives, diverse backgrounds to the table, to making sure that everyone is part of. Yeah, I just uh, you, you get again, get me all excited because <laughs> um, yeah, we only have a few more minutes, but I want to ask this, and it's something I touched on earlier in a question. It's it's not a kind of sexy topic, but it's it's one of governance, and you mentioned feedback loops, and because when we talk about systematic change, it it affects a lot of functions. It affects facilities, communications, HR, operations, you know, learning and development and, and all these things. So can you speak to that as we wrap? We have all these different groups and they might experience different things from different touch points. So what does that governance model look like for, for you, uh, you know, when it really yeah. works well? Yeah, so definitely having a DNI office is critical, right? Regardless of where they are in the organization or what level, having a DNI office is critical. Now, the DNI office by itself is not going to really create change. We need to uh, leverage leaders. We need to leverage our employees and our communities. So DNI councils are helping a lot in terms of bringing that diverse uh, perspective, um, those that, uh, you know, diversity in terms of designing systems or, or, or backgrounds. Um, and ERGs are actually a critical component of the strategy and any change, right? Because those actually represent different employee groups and provide a voice to those. So uh, I will say those three elements are critical in a governance uh, model, but then we need to understand what's outside that model, right? Who's the executive sponsor? Uh, how these, you know, uh, how, how these groups are being cared, right? Who's actually bringing the conversation to the executive team? Uh, and depending on the complexity of the organization, are we designing a North America-centric DNI approach, or are we really listening at different regions and what each region and country needs? So uh, the, these three components are critical, but then we always need to understand what's around based on each organization. Yeah, and you're, I imagine, surveying those ERGs, employee resource groups as well, or are they yeah. packaging you know, their th thoughts and ideas? or you know, what, what does that look like? Yeah, we do surveys, we do focus groups with them, listening sessions with them. Um, and and uh, I, I, I would also say that the day-to-day -day conversations that they have are as valuable as the surveys. So being able to collect all that information in the, uh, you know, like minutes and meetings are a critical uh, that, uh, to, to advise a future strategy. Well, hey, David, we're gonna have to wrap, but I'm, thank you. 
thank you for sharing. Thank you for doing what you do. Um, it's inspiring me. I, I already got some ideas that I'm like, damn, <laughs> I should, should have been thinking about that, you know, from the get go. But no, that's what we're here for. We're here to learn and explore and create new things. So again, thank you. Uh, how can people learn more about you and what you're doing there at Corn Fair? Yeah, for sure. So first of all, thank you. Thank you for in, for, for inviting me. Um, I'm happy to 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 share all this knowledge. Uh, so they can contact me on my LinkedIn. Um, is that it's on the screen right now? They can also send an email to david.herrera at conferry.com. And uh, if you already have a, you know a, a, a person from Conferry, reach out to that person, and uh, we're all here to help. Well. You do a great job helping. <laughs> so again, thank you for sharing. You be well. And yeah, hope to uh, get together in person here before too long. So yeah, look forward to it. <laughs> All right, David. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you.